please stand with me as I read from the Word of God? From from Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers in Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that, had bit, that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The word of God for the people of God. titled out of the portion of this scripture, uh, An Unexpected Christmas. Been reading a devotional with the subtitle of that. <clears throat> and just begin recognizing in this uh, portion of scripture that Matthew, as we continue through uh, Matthew uh, with this Advent season, we've been looking at Christmas through the eyes of a tax collector. <laughs> if you know Matthew's past, that's who he was before Christ called him. And so we're looking at it through his eyes. You'll, you'll notice that this is an unexpected Christmas. It's coming at an unexpected time. We'll notice that the people aren't ready for it. Um, it's in an unexpected town. The Magi, these wise men, don't know where uh, they are to go. They think it's Jerusalem, but it's Uh, As they've arrived there, they find that it's not. It's an unexpected king for the people. It's not a king coming like most kings uh, come. And it is being sought out through uh, unexpected worshipers. We see at the end of this portion of Scripture, wise men from the east coming and falling down at the feet of Jesus and worshiping. So we have this reigning King Herod. Uh, He's the chief priest and scribes. 
who should know the time of their, you know, and, and be and anticipating their king's arrival. But all of them and all of them in Jerusalem seem to be dull in their heart to the advent of the king of the Jews. But here you have magi from the east, these wise men who, who know the time of the king's arrival and are arriving there to worship him. The magi don't know exactly the where, and they have arrived at Jerusalem expecting it to be the city of the kings, but they learn through the scholars there, the religious elite that, who know the scripture, that it's the town of Bethlehem. And so they give that, that answer. And this whole arrival of this whole uh, uh, arrival of these wise men along with would have been their huge you know, caravan and an entourage to travel that, that far and that length. It would have been a whole uh, 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 you know, upheaval in the city you know, known and heard about and recognized by everybody. We don't know who Matthew went and traced this from and got this story or, uh, from as he reads and, and records it for us to read. But uh, th- these wise men arrival is unexpected. And so, but Matthew at the end of this puts at the feet of the child Jesus these foreigners who have come from afar off worshiping and giving gifts to Jesus, gifts of kingly treasure, gifts Uh, coronating a king. So we have unexpected time, an unexpected town, an unexpected throne, and unexpected worshipers, thanksgiving uh, from these people. So we have first unexpected time. In Matthew 2-7, we read that uh, Herod summoned the wise men and secretly, you know, got them off, you know, by themselves, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. He wanted to know, like, when did you first see that star rise in the east? He wanted to get a timing of the birth. He was clueless to the timing of the birth. And from everything we understand, the scribes and the Pharisees and the people in the know didn't know. We read that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, that's a Greek way of saying Judah. So he's born in Bethlehem of Judah. It's pointing towards this kingly place where the king would come from, from the tribe of Judah. And it mentions in the days of Herod the king, these wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. A lot of people get off on the star. Matthew doesn't tell us much about the star. Uh, it seems to be, you know, some very supernatural event. And then after they inquire, the star leads them and rest over. So it's something very supernatural that happens with the star. Uh, we have a star on top of our tree just to remind us of the supernatural wonder of Christmas and foreigners like ourselves, Gentiles like ourselves being brought near by this wondrous, miraculous star that leads these foreigners to the the feet of Jesus. But we see here that when Herod heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So not only is he troubled, but all Jerusalem is troubled with him. This This is an upheaval. This is unexpected. The people aren't looking. They're like, oh, Advent season, Christmas again, oh, no. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's like many of us, you know, the, the people in the know a lot of times are sometimes the people that really are, who are supposed to be near, are really far off. And the people that are far off out there seemingly, you know, they're the people that are brought close. And maybe there are people out in our community that are far off. We might think that they're far off from God. God might be drawing them ever more than, than we might even feel it in our, our own hearts. We're supposed to be the religious people, the church people, in church, giving, knowing, recognizing. But Matthew points out that the religious elite didn't know. Those in Jerusalem, in the city of the great king, weren't expecting an arrival. But we find out that the time is here. Galatians 4, verse 4 says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So God, in his fullness of time, was sending his son. And Luke mentions some stories of shepherds in the field. Luke doesn't. I mean, Matthew doesn't. Matthew mentions these magi, these wise men from the east. Luke mentions a few people that in the temple uh, on the day of Jesus' circumcision, his eighth day after his birth, come into the temple. And there's a couple of people that are expecting in Luke, right? Remember Simeon and Anna and Simeon like, oh man, you told me before I died, you know, I would get to see the salvation of God and I get to hold baby Jesus and see him, the hope of Israel and the, and the light to the Gentiles. He gets it, right? But there's only these couple of obscure people that are seeing it, that have eyes to see Advent, that have eyes to see the arrival of the king. And Matthew doesn't even mention them. He just mentioned these foreigners coming. Foreigners are seeing it. Foreigners from real far away traveling all this way are seeing it. But the religious folk that only would have to travel a few miles. You see Bethlehem is, some people say four miles, five miles, six miles. I guess it depends on, you know, where you're traveling to and from. Uh, The official thing I got at the latest was just a little over four miles. But it's like they're not willing to even go and look. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're troubled and they're disturbed. And it's like, hey, we're doing great. You don't want this. You know, what's going on? Who's this huge caravan? Who are the foreigners? They don't know anything. We're in the know. If we're going to, you know, if God's going to say something, we're going to be the ones that know. Um, but they don't. And Matthew's pointing that out. And that's really what's emphasized here. Not the details of the star. Not the details of necessarily who these magi are. You know, not their whole background. But he's comparing this this unexpected time. And he's also saying, when he comes forth with the answer, that it is an unexpected town. Now, when they ask about where the king is born, they're like, the Magi are thinking, we've arrived here, right? We've followed the star. We're in Jerusalem. This is the city of the kings, right? This is the city of David. This is where he ruled. This is, we're in the right place, right? You know, and and it's unexpected to them. They don't have all the information either. And so they, uh, you know, Herod calls the the people in the know uh, and says, you know, tell us uh, where, you know, the child, the king, this king is to be born. And they go, hey, we know all the answers. You know, we're in the know. We got it all. We can tell you that real simply. We know all the prophets. We study the word. We know all the scriptures. Simple question, simple answer. Micah tells us in Micah 5.2, they might have not had it numbered that way, 
they would have just said the prophet Micah. Uh, the prophet tells us, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. See, this is the land of Judea. The land of Judah, Bethlehem, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. And they just give the answer of Bethlehem. If you go on and read Micah 5, 2, it's wonders about who this ruler will be. It's profound. Uh, but right there, they're just giving, giving them the answer that it's Bethlehem. So the wise men know the timing. They're led supernaturally by the star. They don't have all the answers They don't have all the scriptures. They don't have all of the the writings, the sacred writings of the prophets that followed the star uh, and arrived at Jerusalem. And assuming that this one born king of the Jews, that's who they ask, where is this one born king of the Jews, uh, will be in the city of Jerusalem, where the temple is, right? Where the kings reign, right? But he's not there. And they have to ask where. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? Where should he be born? Herod gives them the answer that, that it is Bethlehem after he has ascertains it from those who know the scriptures. We sing songs about Bethlehem. We have a fondness towards Bethlehem. We uh, sing Christmas carols, O Little Town of Bethlehem, and the profound writing of the Advent season Uh, in some of the lines of this song are, in thy dark streets shineth. You know how dark it gets in little towns without electricity, far away from the city, out in that darkness. In In thy dark streets shineth, what? The everlasting light. The everlasting light. And what happens? Hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, in the one that is born in this obscure town of Bethany, (laughs) of Bethlehem. Named my daughter Bethany after the town of Bethany, and it's near, too, to Jerusalem. Uh, But all of their inquiry to the chief priest and scribes of the people centers on their knowledge of where the king was to be born. It centers on the little town of, of Bethlehem just outside of Jerusalem. This town is interesting throughout the Bible, Though it's little, it's important to God. God takes all these little obscure things and places and he makes them big to show forth his glory. See, if he takes big, glorious things and then shows his glory, it's like, well, they were glorious. It was man. It was their city. It was their building. It was their doing. But God takes these little things, these weak things, so that it will show forth the glory of God's miraculous work and not man. So he takes this little obscure rural town in the Bible, and he tells this whole story through it, that you can go back and look at Judah and Judah getting this land and inheriting this land and this little family that grows up there, this person, you know, um, Rahab, who ends up there and, and, and has this um, Naomi and her husband growing up there. And you can read the whole book of Ruth is about Bethlehem. It's about this little city that they has a drought and famine and they have to flee and they, they, Naomi and her husband leave and with their two boys they have in a foreign country and they marry these foreign women in this foreign place. But where do they return? They return just Naomi. Everyone has died. It looks like this horrible Naomi sweet means her name, but yet she says, call me bitter. I've lost my husband. I've lost my uh, sons. And, and she tells her daughters, just return to your land and return to the gods of your land. And, and uh, 
One of them leaves to turn and go, but one of them's name is Ruth, and she says, your people will become my people. Your God will become my God. I'm sticking with you, and this foreigner follows Naomi back to Bethlehem, and there is the story of Ruth and this little impoverished widow, refugee, Moabite woman ends up marrying Boaz, who inherits and claims the land of Naomi. The, the one that had the right above him didn't want it because he knew if I take that land back, I have to take the Moabite woman with it, and he won't take it. And so Boaz steps up and says, I'll take the land, and I'll take Ruth with it, and I'll take this Moabite woman, and I'll make her more than just a foreigner. I'll marry her, and I'll make her my wife. And out of Boaz, and out of this relationship with Ruth and this holy designed marriage in this small obscure town unknown to people they father um, Obed Boaz fathers Obed and Obed fathers Jesse and as rifle proclaimed in Isaiah 11 1 out of the stump of Jesse comes a shoot and David is born and out of that shoot Isaiah 11 says is more than more than David the king But a king in his kingly line, I will establish his throne forever. And out of the land of Bethlehem will come the lion of the tribe of Judah from a town that God has to turn the whole world upside down in a census to take Joseph and Mary back to their land of their birth, leading them like these little strange, you know, people back to Bethlehem, all to say, Micah, this ruler will come out of Bethlehem, this little obscure town. I mean, God just does all of these things to make his word come true. So through Bethlehem, through, as it says, little town of Bethlehem, O morning stars together proclaim thy holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. So an unexpected time, an unexpected town, and an unexpected king. If you want to keep going with T's, you can say unexpected throne. <laughs> but an unexpected king is that Matthew is very much pointing uh, to the comparison of kings here. This is really, the majority of this is as much about King Herod as it is the wise men. He's pointing to who this king is. I mean, it starts at... He starts this uh, portion of Scripture with, uh, in verse 1, in the days of Herod the king. So he's putting it in a time frame. In verse 3, he talks about Herod the king heard this and he was troubled. It's the king that is troubled. In verse 7, Herod is the one who summons the wise men secretly together. You get to see what kind of king he is. He doesn't want people to know he wants to ascertain because he's got plans. And we're going to see them as we continue to go in, in Matthew. And they're not good plans. He's lying, he's scheming, and Matthew wants to point this out. Here's the kings. Here's how kings of men rule. Here's how kings and leaders normally rule. And he's pointing it out and saying, and yet there's a rival of the king that others don't see. And it's humble, lowly in a manger, and people are missing the true king. But foreigners are getting in on it, and God's revealing to them this true king So Herod wasn't the true king. Uh, uh, Matthew uh, has covered, as we've gone over, the genealogy of Jesus, right? He's gone into the historical all the way back to Abraham and shown how Jesus is in this line of the kings. You know Herod? 
He's not in any line of kings. He has no right to the throne. If you get in and study his uh, heritage, he was an Edomite. He descended from Edom, which is descendant from Esau. He's an um, he has no rights to the throne. But how does he get it? He gets it like all men get power. He gets it like all through violence, through killing, through... He, he has a wife and a young son, and he marries another woman, deserts that woman and his own kid, casts them out because that'll give him more political power. And that's how people get power. That's how kings get power. Herod's got it the same way that all kings before him have gotten, the kings of men have gotten power. He's pointing out who Herod is in some degree, and, and most of them knew who he was and where he had come from and how he had gained his power. He went to Rome, got established with power from them, brought an army back, and conquered the person that they had uh, descended in this kind of other line of kings that weren't really worthy from the line of David either, um, but he comes and brings a, 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 an army, and he conquers, and he becomes king like most people become king, and it's the opposite of how the king of the Jews will be ruler. Matthew has established this, and he further reveals not just through the genealogy, but as we looked at last week, Matthew reveals that his name will be Emmanuel. His name will be God with us, Jesus will be this true king who, who will be named Jesus. He will be a people who save, who rescue his people from their sins, not oppress like Herod did. He, Herod was like a lot of kings. He built magnificent buildings. He built and restored the temple. He played the people as much as he could to get always what he wanted for the glory of him. He, liked, he named himself Herod the Great. That's how he's known. Uh, so He's a typical uh, boaster in himself, like most uh, kings are. And with all of that, Matthew is pointing out and saying, this, this king has arrived differently. He's coming as Emmanuel. He's coming with the true genealogy. He's actually a real, true king in comparison. And there's that throughout the whole uh, book of Matthew, is the, the reign and the kingship and the announcement of Jesus that the kingdom of God has come, the kingdom of heaven is here. And in the end, Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus nailed to a cross and above his head a sign put. What does it read? Yes, Jesus. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Matthew's pointing that this is how uh, Jesus will become king. He won't uh, become king the way Herod became king and other kings before him. He won't become king and keep his kingship uh, through manipulation and scheming and oppressing subjects because in order to build those things, uh, Herod heavily, heavily oppressed the people with taxes. He took and took and took from them to give lavish gifts to important people to lift his standing in their eyes. And he did it all on the backs of taxation and the people. And so Jesus isn't doing that. Jesus is coming, and he's not ruling out of the fear of punishment, but have a great sacrificial love. Uh, so as Herod manipulated and oppressed, Jesus has come to liberate by being their king who is going to be crushed in their place, as Isaiah 53 says, this servant 
who will be crushed for their iniquities. Jesus comes and he sets the captives free. And he's willing to give his life in order to free his people, to free their hearts. And when you experience that freedom that only Jesus can bring, you come to him and you say, make me your bond slave. And you have the Apostle Paul proudly at the beginning of all of his letters saying, the bond slave of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm a slave, but of my own free will of the one who actually loved me and gave his life for me. Do you proclaim that? Do you proclaim with pride, he has set me free this Advent season, and I have found the only true freedom that there is by giving my heart to be the slave of the true king. True freedom only comes through slavery to the real God, the real king, King Jesus, proudly say, I'm a bond slave, I'm a bond servant, a slave of Jesus Christ. And you'll experience the freedom that nothing and no king of this world can ever give you. So we celebrate this in this unexpected time, in this unexpected town, this unexpected king. That who are these unexpected worshipers? It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, that star that they had seen when it first rose, it now appears again, and it leads them as they leave to go to Bethlehem, and it rests right over where Jesus is born. Verse 10 says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. It's very rare that the Bible mentions great joy. It mentions joy a lot. But there's just a handful of times, a few times that it meant, meet, meet, see, says great joy. And so, I mean, I don't know. It's like Rifle was praying, you know, for children's church this morning. It, great joy is that stomping up and down, jumping up in the air, twirling joy of, of this season. It's a special season of great joy. And it says, in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, And they fell down and worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. They worshipped Jesus alone. Mary is to be respected, but they didn't fall down and worship Mary. They worshipped Jesus. They fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Again, this is Matthew pointing to kingship. He's pointing to this king who has come this way and only these foreigners from far off have come and recognized that he has been born a king so these gentiles these wise men rejoice with great joy exceedingly with great joy and they worship jesus born king of the jews and the jews remain comfortable in their own bible knowledge staying back at home unwilling to travel a few miles Yet they say they see, and yet they are blind. Their attitude of entitlement has left them joyless. They're not the ones worshiping with exceeding joy, and they are without true worship. While foreigners are brought near who rejoice exceedingly with great joy and fall down in worship and give gifts of coronation of a new king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew is pointing this out. This is what for our eyes to see and to unfold. Matthew is telling his own people, you missed it. And sometimes we today need to remind 
uh, the people who are Christians, the people who are religious, the people who have studied their scriptures, we need to be reminded, you are the people who are to, to see Jesus, to humble yourself at Christmas season, become a child again, look through these eyes of wonder, and rejoice exceedingly in this season, and worship Jesus like you've never worshipped him before. Again, they asked in this unexpected worship, these foreigners, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. They came to be the worshipers. In Numbers twenty four seventeen, it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And who's seeing it? Who's seeing the scepter rise? Who's seeing this king? Who's seeing the star? Who's seeing the light shining so brightly, leading foreigners, wise men, magi from the east? But they rejoiced over that star, and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They saw him as a king, as Emmanuel, as God with us, and he's showing these far-off nations have come and representing these nations that are far off have come to worship Jesus with the coronation gifts worthy of a king. And this is prophesied, you know, from in several different places in the Bible, but Isaiah 60, in Isaiah's beautiful writing, verse 3, he says, nations shall come. These wise men represent nations coming. We don't know everything about them, but we do know that they represent these foreign nations coming to Jesus because it's prophesied that nations will come. It's prophesied that the Gentile nations, when Simeon holds him in the temple, he's the hope of Israel, but he's the light to the Gentiles. And these are Gentiles coming uh, from around the world or coming to the birth, the advent, the coming of Jesus. And it's exciting. They rejoice over it. And it says in Isaiah 60, kings and kings to the brightness of your rising. We don't know exactly. Matthew doesn't say they, were, they necessarily were kings. We sing they were kings from, from, from the east, but it doesn't specifically say that. But we know that from Isaiah that kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. And this is definitely Jesus coming, his rising. And Isaiah goes on to say, lift up your eyes all around and see. Will you do that today? Will we do that as believers? Will we lift up our eyes and see this Advent season? So Isaiah is pleading, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip, and you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Were the wise men thrilled? Were they exulting? Were they exceedingly Joyful, yes, because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Did they bring the wealth from the nations? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh pouring in? Yes, it was a, it was a beginning. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephra and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. And that's how this ends. It ends in this text today with the praises of the Lord and this great worship from these wise men, this 
to this king, this profound worship. Maybe they went on to read Matthew 5, uh, Micah 5.2, where it said, Who will it be, not just the where of Bethlehem? Who will the ruler over Israel be, whose origins are from old and from ancient times? And the rest of his brothers will return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. These magi were coming and says, your, your greatness, your greatness, O king, is going to reach to the end of the earth, and we're coming. Your glory, Jesus, is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And they were coming. Well, we, in closing, you can do some research on just how Christianity is exploding around the world. And most of you will know that in the United States, it's declining. That is our growth. We're still in a tiny percentage of growth with Christianity, but it's just been going like this with our growth. And we'll hit like where England is, is at a 0% growth. They're not growing and they're not declining. They're in a just stalemate. Um, and there's very few places around the world where Christianity is, is, is growing. And one of the places is Iran. just reminds me of this place from the east. Most people believe they came from Babylon where Daniel was exiled to. And Daniel left all this information. He lived there. The people of Israel lived there. And these wise men are coming 400 years later from the information that Daniel left there. We don't know all the facts about that, but when you look at the growth right now, it's just interesting to me when I connected all these dots that in Iran right now, uh, Christianity is reportedly growing faster uh, than any other. Uh, it's the fastest growing religion in Iran with an an annual average rate of 5.2% persecuted to the bone. They're growing faster than any place in the world, and they're estimating somewhere between 100 to 500,000 believers uh, are Christians, uh, and they all come from a Muslim background uh, living in Iran, and most of them strong evangelical Christians. And when I looked at this and the ratings of where uh, uh, Christianity is growing around the world, uh, the prophecy and the, the word from uh, Ephesians 2.13 is coming true, that those who are far off but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And it's still happening. Uh, people from all over the world, foreigners from far off, are still being drawn by the blood of Christ to be brought near uh, to him. So wise men still seek Jesus today. And it's glorious. And I pray our hearts are warmed and stirred to seek and to find him and his great light in our hearts and in our lives this Advent season. Amen. Let's celebrate and worship, hopefully like the, the Magi did, they, with exceedingly great joy. Mike prayed that in the beginning in our call and response that we would have that kind of joy. And may we have it as we close in worship and close in communion. You want to grab your communion elements? In the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. He broke it. He said, Take and eat. This is my body 
given for you. Let us partake together of the bread. And in like manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant given for you for the remission of sins. When you take this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Christ this Advent season, his coming and his soon return. Let's worship.